Welcome to this Hypnobirthing 20 Questions series, where I have taken the 20 most asked questions on Google about hypnobirthing and will answer them for you. My name is Sophie Fletcher. I've been a clinical hypnotherapist and a doula for nearly 20 years. I'm also the best-selling author of Mindful Hypnobirthing and Mindful Mama. I've been at plenty of baths and I know what works and what doesn't. The questions I'll answer will be from the practical to the provocative. Today's episode is why doesn't hypnobirthing work? And I think this is such an interesting question. It's going to be quite provocative because not everybody is going to agree with what I'm going to say, but I do think it's really important that it's said. The first thing is not all hypnobirthing is the same. And the assumption is that that hypnobirthing is the same wherever you do it. And actually, hypnobirthing should be a program. That's how it was created. And the program and the method that was set up by Marie Mullen in the 90s was very specific. And she was very firm about the fact that it needed to be taught over a certain length of time. It needed a class. You needed face-to-face. You needed tracks. You needed, you know, all these different aspects for it to work. and. What's happened over time is that the more and more that people have trained to be teachers who aren't aren't therapists or who aren't practitioners, the more hypno the more reductive hypnobirthing has become. So now you can do an online course without any interaction with a practitioner. You can pick up a book on hypnobirthing and think you've not got to do any further work. And I think that's where the where it gets difficult to assess how well you're doing or how well you're practicing the techniques. Are you doing enough practice? Have you processed those anxieties and fears you may be holding on to? Hypnosis is all about the me I cannot see. It's that part of your mind outside of your conscious awareness that is holding on to those fears and anxieties without you consciously being aware of it. And hypnosis helps you process those things, but it's a reflective process. And you can't do that if you've just read a book or done an online course without any human contact with someone who's a professional. So that's the first thing. I I would really think about the type of hypnobirthing that you have done. Is it you just read a book or have you done a really, a really robust course? The second thing is. I want you to imagine hypnobirthing as a hierarchy. So sometimes we talk about Maslow's hierarchy, so emotional needs. So if someone's at the bottom of this triangle in terms of their needs, if they really need a lot, it's going to take a lot of work to get them to the top of that triangle. Whereas if they're near the top already, it's not going to take much. So take in terms of birth, if you're at the bottom of that triangle, and you are terrified of birth, you've got a needle phobia, you've got parnos not supporting you, you've maybe got a hospital that has policies in place that are not congruent with what you want, and it's going you're going to need more to get to the top. And a book may not just cut it. You may need to see someone, you may need to do a course to get you up to the top. Whereas someone who is already feeling quite confident 
who is maybe brushing up on some techniques from a previous birth may find that a book is enough. So know what your starting point is when it comes to hypnobirthing, because if someone is at the bottom of that birth kind of thoughts hierarchy, it's more likely not to work if you don't do um, the, the full program and that extra work. The type of course you do matters as well. There are so many courses out there now and they are mixed quality. And this is where I am going to be provocative because there are so many people teaching hypnobirthing who aren't hypnotherapists and don't really understand the nature of what they're teaching. So for example, there is a technique called birth rehearsal that is really quite standard in a lot of hypnobirthing programs that I would never, ever teach. And I have my reasons for those as a hypnotherapist. I learned the hard way why you shouldn't use this technique, but it was my knowledge and my experience that enabled me to recognize why that was and to adjust how I was teaching so that didn't happen again. So some some techniques that are being taught, I think, can actually cause harm. And no one really talks about that. And if someone is interested in knowing what those are, I'm always happy for you to DM me on that. So let me go deeper into birth rehearsal. And I'm going to tell you the story where I learned as a hypnotherapist that this is something that should not be included as part of a course unless I was working one-to-one with people. So one of the things that is standard is to do a nice, long kind of hypnosis fear release as part of a course. That means that the person running the course will do a nice, long, guided imagery track that's written in a specific way that allows your unconscious to let go of any fears or anxieties or worries it may have around birth. And the idea is that once you've cleared out that part of your brain of all those anxieties and fears, you start to fill it up with things that make you feel happy and confident and strong about your birth. So it's about setting an intention. And I would say in some courses, even goes as far as manifestation in terms of how it's taught. And and so at that point of the guided imagery, you're asked to imagine yourself in a pool, for example, with your baby and your partner. Use lots of positive suggestions saying, you've done it, you feel really good, you feel great. And that all sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds great. But actually, I learned the hard way because I was doing this in a group of people. And one of the people in the group, one of the couples in the group had what we call in hypnosis an ab reaction. So she, she got really upset, really started crying. And it was towards the end of the class. And because I was a hypnotherapist, I was able to offer her that extra time after the class. And very sympathetically be able to work around what it was, ask questions. And it turns out that she was a bereavement counsellor for a children's centre and that when she imagined that, all she could imagine was herself holding a dead baby. And that was, I didn't know what was going on in her head. I actually didn't know what was going on in the heads of everyone in that room. Who knows what they were really imagining? And then it was like a light bulb moment for me because when we're taught as hypnotherapists, one of the things we shouldn't teach people who have depression, for example, is imagery to wake up feeling really happy and energized or teach them certain self-hypnosis exercises. Because if you start using self-hypnosis and you're in a negative self-narrative, it can reinforce that state. And so I thought, oh my gosh, 
that makes sense. I can't, I, in a group situation, I can't say to people, you're in a pool, you're with your baby or thing, because if they've still got some anxiety and fear there, that's when it's going to come up and you're actually reinforcing that anxiety and fear. And so now I never teach it unless I'm working with people one-to-one. And as part of the hypnosis, I can say to them, so tell me what you're experiencing now. What's coming up for you? So then I can navigate it in a way that works for them and keeps them safe. So that's one example of a technique that really doesn't work very well and I think can cause more trauma by reinforcing anxiety and fears if you don't really know what you're doing. Another tool that I don't use, which if you're saying to me, why didn't hypnobirthing work, is one of the ones that I think is on people's kind of practice is something called a glove relaxation technique. So let me explain the glove relaxation technique to you. It's where you imagine your hand in a bucket of ice and you imagine your hand getting colder and colder and that cold moving up your arm, then being able to move that icy numbness anywhere in your body. It's very typically used for dental treatment for hypnosis because you just touch your jaw and transfer it to your jaw. But it can be taught for hypnobirthing to move it to your abdomen during contractions. There are actually better imagery tools for that purpose. So having numbing fluids moving through your body or colour calm colours moving through your body can be more effective imagery than that. But that can take a lot of practice. And for a lot of people, it doesn't work very effectively early on. And people can think, oh, well, that technique, it just doesn't work for me. So hypnosis doesn't work for me. And so that's why for me, glove relaxation, unless I'm working one-to-one with someone, isn't a very straightforward technique. And the reason I don't teach this is because there are two different approaches to to pain management. There's one where it's called analgesia, where you change the nature of the sensation, your relationship to that sensation. So you can turn it down, you can make it feel different, you can distance yourself from it, you can disassociate from it. So that's one approach. The other approach, anesthesia, needs one-on-one work with a hypnotherapist or a lot of practice. And it works for some people, but it generally doesn't work unless you've you know really worked on that with a hypnotherapist so I get a lot of people using or learning the glove relaxation technique and then saying oh it hasn't it didn't work for me because it's not enough to do it once and then then for it to work often that needs a lot of practice and if you're using hypnosis for anesthesia for surgery dental treatment things like that then you might use the glove relaxation technique but hypnobirthing is actually more effective with analgesic techniques and also it's quite complex We talk about pain and birth, and this is actually a biggie. A lot of people come to hypnosis and hypnobirthing because they've heard the words pain-free birth, and it's actually quite complex. It's not that straightforward. You can teach people techniques, but if someone is coming in because they want a pain-free birth, they may want that at a conscious level. But outside of their conscious awareness, they may actually want to feel something. There's a really lovely experiment that I do in my classes. I draw a little dial and I label it 0 to 10. And I want them to do this spontaneously. I don't think about it because I want that instinct part of your mind outside of awareness without the rational mind coming in. From 0 being nothing at all to 10 being the most intense physical sensation, where would you want to put the dial during birth? And I mean, think about it. 
the majority of people say between four and six. So they want to feel something because those sensations tell them how far along they're doing, that they're making progress. They give them an idea of when to call the midwife. So they have a purpose. And actually, if you're selling pain-free birth and you're saying to someone, oh, you're not going to feel anything, it's not going to work because the secondary gain, the benefit of those is that they get more from it than they don't from it. And that's what we're working with, with hypnosis. And so it's really understanding the nature of what we're teaching and the psychology around pain. And I don't think that's fully understood by a lot of people who are teaching it. It's also the size of the course you're on. There's been a proliferation of courses and you can do an online course. You can do a course with a teacher in a group, live online, live face-to-face, one-to-one. There are so many different options. But face-to-face in a group, I never teach more than three couples. Even with all the experience and all the knowledge I have, I love teaching and I would love to teach more than that. But think about it. If you're in a group of 10 couples, that's 20 people. It's very hard to ask questions in that environment. Some people will be very confident and they dominate the space. Other people may be very quiet and keep their fears to themselves and not ask the question because there's just not the space in a big group. So I think that's one of the reasons is the inability to process that anxiety and fear effectively. It's just not possible in those bigger classes. Also online, people just doing online classes without having that face-to-face support with someone who understands hypnosis. And again, there are things that can come up that may, may surprise you. I had a class once with a couple who there had been a medical issue, which they were in complete denial about complete denial. They didn't put it on their intake form, nothing. It came up spontaneously during just towards the end of a group class. So I was able to give them more time and chat to them about it. And they were hugely grateful that the class had allowed them to confront that worry and confront that anxiety. But that was only the start of their journey. And as a hypnotherapist, I was able to work more with them on that after the class. I also became their doula as well. And they went on to have a fantastic birth. But an online course would not have been enough for that woman. So I think you need to really be aware that if things are coming up for you and you're just doing an online course, that you do need to do further work around that to get the best results from hypnobirthing. Rapport, and you really need to like your teacher and trust them and feel held by them. So don't just do the first course that you see. Have a look around. Just have a chat with a few teachers. It's evidence-based that there are better outcomes for therapeutic processes if you have good rapport with the person who's teaching you. Practice. Hypnobending is not just reading a book and doing the course. It's the practice. The practice is 70% of a hypnobirthing course. It's about repetition. It's about embedding those tools and techniques. If you haven't done the practice, there is less chance of it working. Lack of support. If your partner's not on board, I mean, it is really helpful to have your partner on board because their own fears and anxieties can steer the birth in a different direction. So even if your partner is dead set on not doing it, find a friend that will help you with your practice and ask your partner to just read a little bit on hypnobirthing. That's why in my book, Mindful Hypnobirthing, I have a chapter for the birth partner because I know that so many are reluctant, but I also know how valuable that support is to having a really positive experience with hypnobirthing. So I think that covers everything. The reasons why 
hypnobirthing doesn't work because someone hasn't really understood the pain model effectively or hasn't been taught properly around that. It can be lack of rapport, lack of practice, lack of support, but also lack of flexibility. If you're not taught to use the tools flexibly, if things take a different path than that you're expecting, then it's less likely to be a positive experience because there is a sense of failure. The very final thing, though, that I think is really interesting is that people come to me sometimes and say, it didn't work. I didn't get a chance to use my tools and techniques because the birth was so quick. And for those people, I'd say, you obviously put the practice in and it must have worked really well for you because the best time of hypnobirth, in my view, are ones when you really don't have to think about the tools. Everything, your, your mind and your body automatically use the triggers, the affirmations, the tracks and everything without your conscious mind even being aware of it. So that is actually a really good outcome. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to check out more of my content, like and follow me on YouTube and Instagram at Mindful Hypnobirthing Book. Or if you're interested in any of my products or services or courses, go to sophiefletcher.co.uk. Hold up. 